This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. We've got our take cannons loaded and ready. Ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short routes. Boys are back. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is Reception Reception the Show. Yo, what's cracking, everybody? James Coe, Matt Harmon here with you. You're listening to Reception Perception the Show. All right, Matt. uh, I saw you had a a very successful weekend uh, doing some uh, wineries uh, over the weekend. How you feeling on this Monday, man? I uh, feel great, man. Yeah, awesome weekend. You know, one of the, I won't say concerns, but, you know, one of the asterisks of, like, moving from California to back here to, to Virginia and the East Coast. Like, yeah. You know, we loved going to Santa Barbara. We loved going to Temecula. Mm-hmm. Never actually made it up to, like, you know, Napa or, like, wine country. But, like, you know, we loved to do those, like, big wine trips. I will say the Charlottesville wine scene here in Virginia uh, delivered. Strong? Absolutely. It was, str- okay. oh, it, was, it was so good. And like, you know, some some different types of wine that are out here that's not out there. Um, yeah. I was very we were we were both very, very impressed, very, very happy with uh, the results of the weekend, which was, you know, spending an outrageous amount of money on wine and various <laughs> uh, cheese boards at all of these wineries. So uh, it was a great trip, though. We, we had a great time. And uh, I, I would say I feel um, I wouldn't say like, oh, I'm really refreshed and ready for the NFL season, but I'm, I'm like prepared for the inevitability of it, yeah, if that makes sense. Right, right. So it sounds like you had, uh, to, to quote Hard Knock, sounds like you had a, a bunch of good car coochie boards uh, there in... Uh, oh, yeah. My <laughs> country, good. Yes. All right, great. Um, hey, listen, um, interesting stuff, obviously, that happened over the weekend as uh, Trey Lance uh, was traded away from San Francisco. Has to be one of the biggest, um, I don't know, front office mistakes in NFL history. Yeah trading up, spending a top five pick, top three pick uh, to go get Trey Lance. And then uh, really, I don't want to say they didn't give him a chance, but they kind of sort of didn't give him a chance. You know what I'm saying? Got traded away uh, to Dallas for fourth rounder. But uh, really interesting because, you know, again, not only because of the draft capital that was invested in him, but because of the seventh round rookie in Brock Purdy that then stepped up and gave this team a little bit of a lift. Okay, so our guy Derek Klassen then goes through and charts Brock Purdy. And the findings, Matt Harmon, uninspiring, um, that I would say is probably the nicest way uh, to put what we found in in terms of the numbers for Brock. So I don't know. I'm I'm interested to to get your takeaways after reading that Brock Purdy profile. Well, first of all, just kind of like Trey Lance postmortem for the San Francisco 49ers. Um, Yeah, it has to be one of the biggest if not the biggest like draft day trade up failures really of, of all time. Like it's gotta be one of the oh, worst. Yeah. And, and yeah, I, I wouldn't say they never gave him a chance. It was also just like, I think everything that could go wrong for Lance did go wrong. Like this was already right. a guy that, you know, had so little actual time spending spent playing and passing at the quarterback position coming into the NFL. Right. Um, you know, and they want him to sit a year behind Jimmy Garoppolo. Right. And, and then, you know, Garoppolo, you know, he, he holds the job for that entire season. Yep. I, I think that was sort of a, 
you know, maybe a missed opportunity that they didn't get to, to, you know, transition to Trey Lance there. Like maybe they should have, like he has that one pretty good start against Houston Texans in, um, in 2021. Maybe that was the time to sort of just make the move yep. anyways. I know Shanahan had said he wanted to kind of do that anyways, but you know, then they start winning games. You keep the veteran out there. Uh, then, you know, last year, we, we barely see him play one game in like a monsoon. The other game he gets hurt in the middle of it. And we, and we never see the guy again. Like the injury right, is the exactly. unfortunate thing, but right. I don't, I do think that this was a failure by Kyle Shanahan. And, you know, he said as much um, talking about this move after the fact that he really feels like he failed Trey Lance. And I think that that is, that is what happened here it was a failure to develop the player. I will say, you know, and this is what makes the Brock Purdy thing so interesting I think if they don't have that stretch with Brock Purdy at the end of last year, Trey Lance is mm-hmm. number one still on this roster. And yeah. number two, if Brock, like almost regard, no, nothing really that happens with Trey Lance right now matters, right? Because he's not going to see the field in Dallas, you know, he's for no. a, a, prob- maybe ever, right? He, might, he probably might never suit up in a regular season game for the Dallas Cowboys. That's on the, on the table here. But I think if Purdy doesn't work out, we're going to be having this conversation about, wow, they really effed up this Trey Lance thing. Wow, they really maybe didn't give him a chance, but they certainly mismanaged the situation. Now, right. if he does if he does work out, we aren't ha- – like, I don't think – I think people will hold their feet to the fire about Trey Lance, but really, at the end of the day, they'll win games and nobody will care if Brock right. Purdy ends up working out. Like, they'll have fallen ass backwards into a solution here at the position. So this brings us to the Purdy stuff here. And, yeah, and I mean, reading to the profile, I'm not a. Uh, I wouldn't say uninspiring was the uh, was sort of the my big takeaway. I think it was sort of a mixed results, like a mixed bag. Mm-hmm. Because for me, when they trade up for Trey Lance, and again, this is some stuff that you know, Kyle Shanahan has talked about. When I think it was after like a game against the Bills, maybe in the 2020 season, where you know he sees Josh Allen come in there and like dismantle his team, like oh, you know, typically. Again, I'm paraphrasing. I'm sort of reading Shanahan's mind. Yeah. Um, look at you know he he's like all right. I've typically worked with these guys like Kirk Cousins, you know, like Jimmy Garoppolo, where it's just I'm gonna tell you like here are the lines, color inside the lines, like do what I tell you. You know, this is I'm gonna yep. point. This is where you shoot. But, but you know, then you see these guys like Josh Allen. You see these guys like Patrick Holmes. You see these guys like Lamar Jackson who can create off script and add things. Would mm-hmm. take your offense to another level, elevate your offense to another level. And I think that's why they traded up for Trey Lance. And I truly do believe that, like, you know, I don't I don't buy the conspiracy theories that Kyle never really wanted Trey all along. I think maybe he was sort of convinced of this idea in real time. But again, they don't take there there's just like this idea that Shanahan never wanted Trey Lance is crazy because they don't take this guy if if he's not on board with it. So, you know, I, again, I say all this stuff to say that I think once Purdy was in there and they have this great stretch with Purdy, they're kind of back in the, oh, I want the paint by numbers guy, right? I want the, uh, I want the guy who just t- color inside the lines. Yeah. And I, I, read, I read Purdy's profile, and that's kind of uh, what I think when I, when I read it. I mean, he's accurate over the, in the intermediate middle of the field, right? I mean, that is the base area of this offense. He's got a little bit of pop, like an average level pop, maybe throwing deep and outside the numbers, right? Like, Nine routes, corner routes, out routes are you know relatively within the average of of the mm-hmm. guys that Derek has sampled here. I, I don't know. Again, I I find myself like, yeah, I think 
I think if we're talking about Brock Purdy is the next Tom Brady, which obviously some like major media outlets are are ready and rearing to make that comparison. <laughs> yeah, I think the profile is pretty uninspiring if that's what you think. But if you think Tom, like right. Brock Purdy is a guy that we've seen execute the offense and could probably execute this specific offense going forward, then I think like, yeah, this is what I expected. Okay, so if Brock Purdy is going to be more of a Brad Johnson type where he's just a manager of the game, don't mess up too much, which is, by the way, the funny thing about Jimmy Garoppolo is that like the, the guy had a lot of turnovers. He had a lot of backbreaking yeah. turnovers. It's like it was so yes. odd, you know? It didn't make any sense. It's not a good game, man. She was turning the rock over. Like, what are we talking about here? Anyways, uh, Brock Purdy, uh, according to the profile, 88.2% success rate in their intermediate middle of the field, highest in the NFL. And this guy was just an absolute dig route specialist. Uh, what we saw him throw in that dig uh, for that dig route uh, was, was really, really good. Um, and I think Matt, I think it really kind of, you know, again, pairs up nicely with what Brandon Ayuk does, uh, who was also one of the top, you know, dig route runners in the NFL as well. Yeah, same with Debo Samuel, too. I've said that um, Debo Samuel and like Jimmy Garoppolo throwing dig routes against zone coverage, like that is really like, you know, again, we get caught up with the gadgety stuff with Debo Samuel, like, oh, the wide back nonsense, like, oh, let's have. I really don't want to see Debo Samuel running up the gut at this point anymore. Like it's it's about yeah, enough. Yeah, I that. know, right? Yeah, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could argue, and you could argue, and there's a segment of 49ers fans that will do it that Trey Lance got hurt running up the gut too much. So, like, maybe let's stop having our uh, you know highly paid wide receiver and uh, the quarterback we traded up uh, everything on God's green earth for to go to number three overall. Maybe let's stop having those guys run up the gut. But regardless, uh, I don't need to be seeing that stuff with Debo Samuel because the thing with Debo is that he is a good. A rece- like a receiver on these like dig routes, right? Like, and, and I think that lines up with Purdy. And yeah, we've detailed with Brandon Ayuk, like the development of Brandon Ayuk against man coverage running those dig routes. And actually, when you look at it, I know um, like Scott Barrett and Graham Barfield, who work for Fantasy Points, have I've seen them both point this out on Twitter that when you look at the splits of against heavy man defenses, Ayuk goes off against heavy zone defenses, Debo Samuel goes off. And I think that makes sense based on the reception perception data and just where these guys run routes. So I think the fact that you do have two great players working over the middle of the field, it's pretty important uh, for this Brock Purdy profile to see him this good on dig routes because that's the Jimmy Garoppolo stuff. Like that is where Jimmy, God bless him, was really, you know – Sometimes he didn't do. Sometimes it didn't go well for him, right? Those are dangerous throws to rifle in over the middle of the field. Sure That's why you be, saw yeah. J- Jimmy get picked off a ton by linebackers and stuff like that, hawking that middle of the field. I think, though, and you know, obviously, we don't have a profile on Jimmy Garoppolo, and like, I'm not about to ask Derek, like, yeah, please get me a Jimmy Garoppolo profile. <laughs> but some of these, some of these right. results, again, like in the outside the numbers on the 10 plus yard, the 20 plus yard. Uh, some of these 20-plus yard throws generally are a little bit more encouraging than the short numbers for Brock Purdy is I think that what shows that what he added onto Jimmy Garoppolo, which was an ability to push the ball down the field and create a little bit more deep and outside the numbers, that does make sense for elevating a guy specifically like Brandon Ayuku we care about. So it's interesting. Brock Purdy, again, in that intermediate middle was great. Um, And in the 11, just in general, in that 11 to 15 yard range, he was the second best in terms of success rate, 85% success rate in that 11 to 15 yard range. That was the second best among charted quarterbacks. So that's really good. Okay, now this is where it gets really, really bad. 27% success rate on tight window throws. That was easily 
easily the worst in the NFL. Derek Klassen noted that uh, it was just a combination of a lack of arm talent, but also a lack of touch, Matt Harmon. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he, he pointed to other guys like Tua Tungavailoa, uh, Joe, Joe Burrow, who's, I think he's got average arm strength, so, you know, maybe not fair to put him in this group, but certainly uh, he doesn't have like a cannon of an arm, right? But he points to those two guys, Tua and Burrow, and says, hey, listen, these are lighter-armed quarterbacks, but they've got great touch, uh, and that's how they're able to squeeze in some of these passes in that tight window area. Brock Purdy lacking both the velocity and the touch, that could be a little bit of a problem. Yep, I think that is definitely an area, the touch part of it, where he's going to have to get better because uh, the velocity, right? I mean, he can you can increase arm strength, I think, you, but overall arm talent, like maybe not right. so much. I think we're really hoping that Brock Purdy becomes – like Kirk Cousins, right? Uh, and and I've said yeah, on this show, I've said on for uh, sure. a lot of the last few uh, last few months that like the weirdest thing that's happened to me this offseason is I've become a little bit Kirk pilled. Uh, by by the way, Derek's <laughs> profile did a little bit of that work, right? For sure. Um, but you know, obviously, I think Kirk is having his best seasons right now into his thirties because he's seen everything. Like. Yeah. I think, the, and Derek mentioned this too, some of the pre-snap stuff with Brock Purdy was a little bit discouraging, which makes mm-hmm. sense because he's a rookie quarterback. You know, even if yeah, he, yeah, he's yeah. a seventh round pick, it doesn't even matter. He's a he's a rookie quarterback. He hasn't seen it all yet, right? He hasn't seen, right. um, all you know, everything that you'd, you'd want. So I think that as Purdy gets experience can be more, uh, can, can be a better part of his game. Like, again, we've seen that with Kirk, even Jared Goff is a great example, right? Like Jared Goff, um, he's, he's, I think Jared Goff's better now than he was in the early, even in the early part of the Rams days when he was having some of his best statistical results because he's just seen more and he's played more. And I think that's, you know, the argument of what's gone wrong with Trey Lance is he's never, he's never played. We have no idea who he is. Purdy, I think like, as he gets more experience, maybe that catches up a little bit too. And that can offset some of the lack of velocity, but I agree. The touch part is definitely something that needs to improve. Um, You mentioned the short area stuff, the quick game stuff for Brock Purdy worst among charted quarterbacks in the one to five yard range. That's not good. 68% success rate. Um, in that short area, that one to five yard range, 68%. The next lowest, Matt, was 77%. So that kind of gives you an idea of, of like where this the holes are in this guy's game. Okay, because he's not going to fire it in into tight windows. And in that quick game, which by the way, that's just such a staple in the NFL. You got to get that quick game going, um, especially nowadays. Maybe maybe not so much with Christian McCaffrey. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he will kind of be a Band-Aid. Uh, in that range, but still though, 68% success rate with the next lowest being 77%. That's really bad. And then Matt, in that 16 to 20 yard range, by far the lowest 20% uh, success rate in that 16 to 20 yard range, Desmond Ritter, who I don't think anyone was like, oh, Desmond Ritter had a great season. Desmond Ritter was the next lowest charted quarterback at 33%. So clearly some, not just holes in in Purdy's game, but gaping, I mean, just like, oh my God, holes uh, in his game, according to the sample. Yeah, and again, I think some of that from a quick game perspective can um, can be traced back to the pre-snap stuff, right, that we've been, we're talking about here. Uh, right. that, that, that that's something that he has to get better at. He has to see more. He has to just become a little more comfortable. Um, you know, this is a guy that barely like barely got any ramp up time to be the starter. I think McCaffrey though, and this is why um, 
you know, it's funny as we're talking about running back contract stuff and, and that's a big news point all off season. Nobody's like, yeah, by the way, like Christian McCaffrey, woof, that, that, there are some people that when they want to paint a narrative, like, yeah, well, the Panthers gave Chris McCaffrey all that money and then he, and and they traded him like, see running back contracts are bad. Yeah. He just also, by the way, went to another team and literally, like literally lifted the offense to the stratosphere. Right. I think having a transformative, like we talk about receivers a ton on this show. Right. And we're We talked about Ayuk and Debo and, and these guys are total dogs. And, you know, uh, obviously, you know, same thing there in uh, same thing, of course, there with with George Kittle, who's a great tight end. But right. McCaffrey really has become like the straw that stirs the drink here. And I think having him around, you know, having him be a part of this, uh, like, OK, this this guy's maybe not great. Brock Purdy's not great at working quick game. Well, he still can run these. And Derek, again, noticed noted this, too, like can run like option routes and check down stuff to Christian McCaffrey, who. He's just unlike any other player in the NFL. Um, you right. know, shout shout out to me, James. I do remember uh, <laughs> talking out uh, to, to <laughs> shout out to shout out to me. I remember doing a uh, a mock draft back at the NFL Fantasy Live yeah. days, uh-huh. and I said like. Christian McCaffrey is going to be a transformative talent in the NFL. And uh, our buddy Maurice Jones drew is like a lot of, a lot of players in the NFL for you to be calling this guy a transformative talent. I mean, he, he might literally be the most transformative talent in the entire NFL based on what he did with the 49ers so offense funny. last year. So not only are we uh, talking about what he does well, and obviously the supporting cast, there's probably the best in the NFL, but just the fact that again, there are these huge holes in his game and we've also seen rookie quarterbacks, you know, again, who are not that talented, who don't take a step forward, then take a step back. Why? Because defensive coordinators are very smart. They, they've mm-hmm. broken down the film. They know exactly what you want to do, and they try to take that away. The problem with Purdy's profile, in my mind, is that he's so hyper-specifically good in one area that if you were to able to take that away, okay, now what? What is your counterpunch to their counter? Right. I don't know reading that profile. I don't know if Brock Purdy's got that counterpunch. Now he could certainly develop, Matt. Um, yeah. But I, I just don't know if he's got the physicality to do that. Right. So I'm of this mindset. Brock Purdy could uh, absolutely develop as a player and, and be an, uh, a, a, a reliable, you know, I don't know, mid tier starter for the yeah. San Francisco 49ers. But there is a non-zero percent chance we see Sam Darnold this year. I don't think that's a hot take at all. I think if Purdy struggles, and again, they're not invested in this dude. He's a seventh-round pick. Who cares about Brock Purdy? Sam Darnold could potentially see the field at some point if the Niners need a lift. I, I'm just saying, it's a, there's a non-zero percent chance of that happening. Oh, I mean, I think there's a large, maybe not a large number, but there's at least a chunky number of football sickos that for the sake of mere curiosity want yes. to see Sam Darnold <laughs> as the I'm quarterback for this team. Yeah. I'm in that group. I'm a sicko. Espe- oh, especially like Pac-12 freaks like you, you know, I mean, yes. I'm sure, yes. I'm sure, yes. you, you know, you, I don't know how you thought about Darnold coming into the NFL, but you know, people that there remain like weirdly Sam Darnold hive has not really waved the white flag on a guy that, no. you know, um, has been one of the least efficient p- passers to ever play in the NFL uh, from a statistical perspective. Uh, even even some folks will take solace at the end of last year when the, the Panthers had a really good run game 
ironically, after they traded Chris McCaffrey, they had a really good run game. They had a good defense and a good offensive line at the end of last year. And Darnold, if you look at like from an EPA per dropback perspective or a adjusted yards per attempt perspective, he was like a top five quarterback in those metrics. <laughs> now, then he has then he has this game, the final game of the year, which the Panthers right. are already eliminated from postseason contention. But you know, he he has the final game of the year where he. Uh, you know, pukes all over his shoes against the Saints. Oh, for sure. So that did drag the numbers down. Those will always be there for Sam Darnold. But yeah, no, there's a there's a large chunk of people that purely from a curiosity perspective, an experiment, like why not? Let's see it. Want to see Sam Darnold, who is obviously talented enough that all these people really liked him. That a team took him in the top three of the draft, and nobody. Mm-hmm. Bad. In fact, people were more pissed at the team ahead of him, the New York Giants, for taking a running back over Sam Donald. That's how high right. people thought about him as a pro- people thought he should have gone number one ahead of uh, Baker Mayfield to the Cleveland Browns. He was a very good prospect, and mm-hmm. we just want to see like can Kyle Shanahan's offense with who, who Shanahan is as an offensive designer and play caller combined with this amount of weapons. We want to see can 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 anybody can truly anybody I guess except Trey Lance we just never saw it but can anybody succeed in this offense how good can any of these guys be I think the Purdy thing the 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 part where they're playing it a little risky is I sort of disagree that they I think they have to care about Purdy and they have to care about developing him because you know this team also because they're in they're they're in a contract struggle right now with their best defensive player in Nick Bosa um they're, they have a lot of highly paid guys, you know, mm-hmm. Kittle's on a big contract, McCaffrey's on a big contract, Debo's on a big contract, Trent Williams on a big contract, Ayuka's coming up in a couple years, yep. Uh, yep. they have some guys on, D- Ward, the cornerback is, is on a pretty decent contract, they kind of need like a, a rookie quarterback, like I don't think they that do. Kyle Shanahan gets to go out and like sign Kirk Cousins in free agency to a boatload of money next year. I think they kind of need like a, a, a rookie quarterback on this specific build of this specific team. And again, yeah. I think the, the heat starts to come back to them for the Trey Lance miss if Purdy doesn't work out. So, but the problem is again, to bring it back to the profile and what you've been saying that you're just walking like a razor thin margin for error for with, sure. For even, sure. even if he, even if he turns out to be, you know, somewhere in the Kirk cousins territory, like that, that pantheon of quarterbacks, you're still like, what if this defense regresses? Do we know defense is volatile? D'Amico Ryan's oh, yeah. left. Oh, yeah. I mean, Steve Wilkes was a good hire, but what if it doesn't gel there? What if Bosa's contract holdout? goes into the season hey what if these guys on offense this great superpower super weapon of offensive players deals with injuries not as if that would be a strange thing to see with george kittle debo samuel or christian mccaffrey i used to one guy's been healthy and he could i mean shoot he could get hurt like that's what i'm saying that i guess if all things are being equal and no chaos ensues i think the 49ers can get away with brock purdy as their starter and be totally fine with it but all things are not equal and chaos always reigns in the NFL. <laughs> That's right. That's correct. Um, yeah, I, I, I have a morbid curiosity to see what Sam Darnold looks like in a San Francisco uniform uh, under the, the tutelage uh, of Kyle Shanahan. Because I, I, I listen, this is a guy that had to deal with Adam Gase and Matt Rule. Get the hell out of here, bro. Like, give me this guy who Kyle Shanahan. What does he look like? Certainly, he's got a lot more arm talent than Brock Purdy, but does he have it upstairs uh, mentally to get it done at the quarterbacking position? He, to me... I mean, even coming out of USC, how did you not see the similarities between him and Jameis Winston? I mean, they they was very similar, you know, very turnover prone, big arms, 
trusted their arms a little bit too much, threw it into tight windows uh, when they shouldn't be, threw a lot of like YOLO balls. I, I mean, the, the the cops were absolutely there. Now, James obviously went first overall too uh, because, you know, there, there's a lot of quarterback gurus out there that think they could solve that. Um, but, you know, again, I, it, it's fair to say that Sam Darnold has dealt with some of the worst coaching in the NFL, in NFL history. I mean, let's be real. Let's be real. Um, all right. Let's move on. Uh, we spent a lot of time uh, talking about Brock Purdy. Uh, but go check out the profile, by the way, uh, on the site, receptorperception.com. Again, if it's yes. the first time that you've heard us talk about this, uh, we did add quarterback charting. Very powerful tool in combination with what is the best wide receiver uh, evaluations in the game from our guy, Matt Harmon, here. All right, but uh, we go back to our bread and butter. We go back to wide receivers, Matt. Uh, fantasy drafts are happening right now, man. We are in draft season. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I want to go round by round here with you and talk about some two wide receivers uh, that are very close in range going round by round. Okay, so who would you take and why? I want to start in the first round. Let's say you're in that early to middle part of that first round and you are looking at Cooper Cup versus Tyreek Hill. Who you got in fantasy? Again, this is wide receiver 3-4 according to the aggregate ADP from 4 for 4. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Yeah. Yeah, and I do have uh, those guys in the first tier along with Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. So these are all guys that I would consider in the top six picks because I think um, McCaffrey and Eckler are the other guys I'd consider in the top five. Uh, yeah. I would probably take just in order like overall right now who I would take. I think it goes Justin Jefferson. I think then it goes McCaffrey and then it goes Jamar chase. Then it goes Eckler. And then, yeah, these are the guys I'm considering right mm -hmm. in that, that next top five spot. So it's a really good question. I right now have Cooper cup uh, ahead of Tyree kill. And really it's like, I think you got to, you would be concerned about these two guys for the same reason, which is just the fragility of the overall ecosystem. Right. Mm. I think, I mean, if we know the risks with Tua, right? If he if he suffers a concussion, he gets hurt, whatever. Like I think the drop off from him to even Mike White, who you know, by the way, like Mike White had a, a rocky preseason, and then Skylar Thompson yeah. had a decent preseason. Um, we just seen the drop off that offense experiences without Tua be pretty extreme. Uh, right. Also, the the drop off of Tua last year coincided with the drop off uh, or the, the absence of Teron Armstead, almost, mm -hmm. almost exclusively all those games that uh, Tua missed. And Teron Armstead is an injury prone left tackle. Who's an aging guy who, who got hurt this off season. Uh, so that's worth, I, I think there's just a lot of ways that the house of cards can crumble for the Miami dolphins. 
even and if there's an injury to Tyreek or, or Waddle, I think that this offense would look a lot different if they got to drop Chosen Anderson or whatever into that wide <laughs> starting wide receiver spot. Um, so oh, I think that's the concern Rodney. with the Dolphins. By the way, the same thing exists with the L.A. Rams, too. Um, well, we saw it happen with the L.A. Rams. I mean, good Lord. Yeah. And Cooper Cup is coming into the year after dealing with a hamstring injury while coming off a season-ending injury last year. So there's some fragility there with both of these guys. I just think we've seen, like, even in a disastrous offense last year, Cooper Cup still gets absolutely fed in fantasy just because um, his role is so unique. We've talked about that, like the way he operates from the slot, the way he gets layup targets. Even if we're not hitting the extremes, uh, the high end of his range of outcomes – like I even kind of think if they got a, if they Stetson Bennett or something had to start games for the Rams, like Cooper Cup would probably still catch like seven passes a game uh, just because of the role that he's in. So it's a tough tie break between those two guys, but I, I go Cooper Cup there just a little bit because I think he's slightly now he's obviously a little bit more injury riddled right now than Tyreek, but um, right I do think if if they lose the quarterback, I think. Uh, that Cooper Cup's role is a little bit more protected, but it really breaking, really like razor thin margin here. Uh, Cooper Cup first eight games of the season pre-injury, he was on pace for nearly 200 targets, 155 receptions, and 1750 through the air with 13 touchdowns. Now we saw what Tyreek Hill could do over the course of a full season: 1750 total yards, nine touchdowns for Tyreek Hill. He said on his podcast, he's gunning for 2K this year. Uh, I am going to go with the younger, more athletic wide receiver in this one. I'm going to go with Tyreek Hill. Um, There is just something about this guy um, with his positive mentality, putting stuff out into the universe. Uh, He just he gets after it, man. Um, You know, I've had an opportunity to interview him a couple different times. And just the energy this guy exudes is is very unique. Uh, I've, I've done a lot of athlete interviews. And let me tell you, Tyreek is is a very unique athlete uh, in terms of the energy. It just, I, man, he has to be one of the best locker room guys. Has to be. You know, I would love to be a, ty- yeah. a teammate of Tyreek Hill because, I mean, we saw it last offseason. The dude's hyping up Tua over Patrick Mahomes for whatever reason. You're like, man, <laughs> this guy, this guy don't care. He's willing to hype up his dudes, man. Uh, anyways, uh, I'll go with the younger, uh, more athletic. Uh, Tyree killed the injury to to Cooper Cup. Uh, just the I guess the cascading effect of those injuries does have me a little bit worried. But you're right. I, I mean, fair. we're splitting hairs here. We're we're absolutely splitting hairs. Uh, both would be absolutely fantastic. You don't you don't feel bad if you're in the three or four spot. I don't feel bad taking either Tyree Kill or Cooper Cup, even if you pass on running back there. I, I don't feel bad about it uh, at all. All right, we go into the second round now. Um, this one's getting a little crazy here, uh, but uh, how about Chris Olave versus Devonte Smith? Again, wide receiver 12, 13, according to four for four ADP Olave last year, 119 targets, 72 receptions, uh, 10 50 through the air and four touchdowns. Devonte Smith, 136 in terms of targets, 95 catches, 1200 yards, seven touchdowns. We've seen Devonte Smith put together a great season yet. Chris Olave going slightly ahead of Devonte. Smith in recent drafts and I'm with that too I have uh, Chris Olave ranked slightly higher than Devontae Smith pretty simply because because he's the one on his team Uh, I did the same thing with Jalen Waddle where you know Jalen Waddle is a great second fiddle but I do think he Mm -hmm. is a second fiddle uh, to even if he's a 1b receiver he's still the 1b in that duo 
same with Devontae Smith. I think even if you think he could be a number one, and I think when we talk about the number two receivers in the app, like number two, one B receivers, um, I I think that like Devontae Smith is actually the best player there. But Chris Olave is a one. He's the one for the New Orleans Saints, and he's a truly great player. Like we've talked about him on the show so often, um, the the historical indicators that he has for terms of his ability to beat man coverage, you know, that's super important. Um, I just think he's on like a star trajectory, a uh, superstar trajectory. He's going to join that club this year. Uh, I was tempted to put him even at the bottom of tier two in my Ooh. rankings, along with like St. Brown and, and Garrett Wilson. It's just, um, you know, I think that there's uh, just a small tiebreakers there. I love Olave, man. I think he is, again, if, if he has a top five season this year, I'm not going to be surprised just because um, – He's really that good. And and Derek Carr, again, I think saves the floor. I think it saves uh, – it gets Chris Olave more involved in the short to intermediate area. We want him running more of those routes than he was last year just from like a, a, a consistency uh, and high statistical impact game standpoint because we know he can rip it deep. And I think Carr will – be a little bit better than Andy Dalton at pushing him the ball downfield vertically as well. So I love Chris Olave, man. I, I he has been a great second round pick to me. Yep, uh, Chris Olave, seventy five point eight percent success rate versus man coverage. Matt Harmon, this guy was top ten as a rookie in 2022 in terms of success rate versus man. Can you talk about how rare is it to see um, somebody again just kind of break that mark? approaching 76% as a rookie is is pretty tough to do. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. I mean, we've seen guys like Tyler Lockett do it. Uh, we've seen guys uh, like obviously Justin Jefferson do it. Those are some, uh, you know, historical rookies that that get to that level and, and they go on to become great players, of course. Uh, you know, I, I really think like Chris Olave's rookie season was that good that, that I, and I think that he is, he's in a perfect situation too, because I think the Saints offense has just enough around him to keep, yeah. you know, defenses honest, right? Like their tight end room is kind of sneaky um, stacked. Do you see, uh, do you see Jimmy Graham turning the clock back last yes! night? Yes. What the hell? Caught a touchdown? <laughs> <laughs> yeah by, but, the, just, by the way not only is he old not only you know did he miss the game for a year or whatever it was the guy comes in like literally not just off the street but out of a jailhouse like what the hell this dude got arrested a couple weeks back like what the hell he's out here just yeah, catching touchdowns me. what's going on with jimmy Graham? i don't understand this yeah. is crazy i know i was that i and when he signed a, b- a bunch of people were like wait is this a one year or one day like to retire as a saint <laughs> <laughs> but that tight end room is kind of sneaky stacked. If Jimmy Graham can give Crazy. them anything, because Juwan Crazy. Johnson's intriguing, Foster Moreau, yep. they brought over on a contract. You obviously play with Derek Carr in in the Las Vegas Raiders. You yeah. know uh, the running the running back room has a ton of names in it, uh, especially oh, once yeah. Kamara gets off suspension. And yep. and like you know we've talked about Michael Thomas. I'm not bullish on Michael Thomas this year, but if he can play and be a complementary piece, it gives him an option. Rashid Shahid gives him an option. At Perry is yep. interesting to us as a developmental X receiver, but like none of these guys are going to come close to competing with Chris Olave, who could see like a 28% target share in this offense this year because he's that level of player. So I think he has top five receiver upside, whereas I think Devontae Smith, like an injury would have to occur uh, for him to have top five receiver upside. All right, we go into the third round now, okay? Uh, Calvin Ridley versus DK Metcalf. Wide receiver 15-16 in terms of ADP aggregate from four for four. Ridley obviously did not play last year. DK Metcalf, 141 targets. 90 receptions, 
1050 through the air and six touchdowns. Very, uh, pretty, pretty solid performance from DK. Nothing, you know, it's not a magical season by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but certainly with his athletic profile, I mean, forget about the RP profile, just from the athletic profile, Matt Harmon, you would think, okay, this guy could be an absolute stud and a beast. Calvin Ridley though, man, he has been firing up draft boards. Uh, the more we see him in practice. Yeah. And you know, he, for a while there was going around wide receiver 19. I've had him since I put rankings out at wide receiver 13. So I've had him way ahead of consensus. Um, he is the headline player in the receivers ranked ahead of consensus on the, uh, website right now note some of those guys have been creeping up of late so there there is that um <laughs> dk metcalf i do have ranked in a pretty good range wide receiver 17 for me um but i've got him back to back with tyler lockett uh mm-hmm. and and, and I, that, I think that's the biggest problem here for dk is that like from a usage standpoint um you know first read target standpoint yeah they usually go to dk first because he's the x receiver but like end of the line results Mm-hmm. Lockett and Metcalf always end up real close to each other. If if not, right. like Lockett a little bit ahead. You know, JSN's banged up right now. He's eventually going to be a part of this equation. I think he's going to demand targets in that slot receiver role, like the layup target of this offense. You know, and again, I think they'll they're not going to push the ball and be top five in terms of pass attempts, even if it would be cool with this receiver core. So, right, I think DK. It's just those teammates being a little too close to him makes me nervous, which is, and I have, like I said, I have Ridley obviously ranked five spots ahead of Metcalf. I think he's just in such a great spot. And, and look, I know he's, he's been away from the game for almost two yeah, years now. That's what I'm saying. But the player that we remember, and this is something we've harped about on a ton, 76.5%, 76.4%, excuse me, success rate versus man, 87th percentile. He could be, he could yeah. be the X receiver and beat press coverage, the ISO receiver. The Jags just didn't have a guy like that last year. And based on preseason usage, like there's going to be a gap, I think, between Ridley and the other guys on this roster. You know, Christian Kirk's not yeah. even playing in two receiver sets. Um, Crazy. And I think Kirk will be fine. I think Zay Jones will do his thing. I think Evan Ingram will end up being fine. But Calvin Ridley and Trevor Lawrence have that's been the top target. And I think it will he will be the top target for this team in the regular season. So um yeah, give me Calvin Ridley ahead of DK Metcalf and 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 I think he's a I think at his peak, Ridley was a better player than DK Metcalf. And if he can get back to that peak, um, and that's no shade to DK Metcalf, who I think is a, sure. a wonderful player and someone that I said is like a fringe top ten receiver in the NFL a few months ago. So I just think Ridley's in such a good spot this year. Um, the alpha on that team, uh, whereas I think Metcalf will be and I love drafting Metcalf this year. I just I like drafting Calvin Ridley quite a bit more. I just think Calvin Ridley is the riskiest pick that you can make in like the top like 50 picks. You know what I mean? Because you just but can you, you just can you tell me know? why though? Like I, the, I I get that we have it's risky because we haven't seen him, but Nothing this offseason has suggested like, oh, this is risky, right? There's been no no indication in preseason other than he got his ass kicked on a run block play one time. But like there's been no <laughs> <laughs> there's been no indication that he uh-huh. is rusty, like he's been yeah, great he at training camp. Yeah, he's, oh, he looks sharp. So I'm kind of like, what's the risk at this point? Like maybe he gets hurt. That would be it. I think offensive integration, we don't know what the again, we're projecting that he's gonna be the absolute alpha. Uh, on this team. But again, I think there is something to be said about the fact that guys like Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram are there and have a year under their belt with Trevor Lawrence. I think there is something to be said about that. 
Um, and again, does the does the will the volume justify um, again a nearly two year layoff? Because uh, there's going to be some rust, you know. I mean, I I agree. Look, in shorts, the guy looks freaking fantastic. He looks awesome. Yeah. He looks super sharp. He's cutting all over the place, man. Um, I mean, he looks razor sharp, bro. Uh, but that being said, listen, it's a two year layoff, man. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's gonna there's got to be some football rust, man. Like, look, I'll put it to you this way: I think it's a disrespect to the game to say that this man can walk in off the street after nearly two years off and just still be a dog. You know what I mean? Like, so I just think, look, I think there, I think he will eventually get there, but how long will it take for him to get acclimated? And if we're talking about season long, maybe you don't care, but you know, Hey, listen, when we're talking about fantasy football, you got to start winning games early because we know that teams that start one and three in fantasy football rarely make the playoffs, right? It's hard. It's really hard to make the playoffs when you're in that hole. So you want to win two games, at least two games in the first four weeks. Now, if we're waiting for Calvin Ridley to make that happen, that starts to, again, add to his risk factor, add to his risk profile. That's the only reason I'm, I'm, I'm with you a thousand percent. By the time we get to week 10, I think Ridley's going to be off the freaking chains, boy. But you know mm -hmm. what? The first maybe five, six weeks of the season where, again, these other guys have built that nice little chemistry with Trevor Lawrence – well, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just saying. I just don't know. In the first like four or five weeks of the season, it, totally fair. By the way, to back up your point, and I've hammered this a ton over at Yahoo this year because I think fantasy content has gotten way too. And you know, it's because best ball is popular and people want to win like you know more money than God playing best ball on on, <laughs> yeah, on yeah, certain yeah. platforms. And I right, totally understand right. that. But I think fantasy it's seeped into all fantasy content. It's like the weeks yes. that matter. The weeks that matter is the end of the season. But you're so and it's true. Like that's the weeks we really do care about because we want to win playoff games and all that stuff. But you're so right. Um, this is from my blueprint piece that I've talked about over there. If you get off to a fast start, it's just you know you know it's you know how it's easy to win in in December and, and all that when it matters. If you come in and on a on, and you're riding high. Yep. Last year right. on Yahoo, eighty seven point one percent of the teams that started five and zero made the fantasy playoffs. Four and one, seventy one point eight percent. Wow. Once you get down to three and two, it's completely fifty fifty. Like it could go either right. way. Fifty percent of the teams made the playoffs, and if you were two and three, it was way lower. If you were obviously if you were one and you know one and four, it was like you had very, very, very little chance. So, right. Um, I mean, it, again, it's like, but, and, and it, it's even like even a smaller sample though, right? Like you're going five games. I'm saying even four games, you start one and three, bro. Like how many leagues have we been in? You start one and three, you are in trouble. And, and it's, and it's like, you can't have that patience. That's the problem. Nope. You can't have the patience. You got to get on your horse and really start managing your team. That's where it gets really tricky. So I, I don't know. That's the only reason I have hesitation with Ridley. I think we know what we're going to get with DK Metcalf. I think we know 1,100 yards. You could bank it, you know, six to eight touchdowns. You could bank it. Um, and, and again, just with Metcalf, it's just, man, you, you just, you're getting that almost guaranteed production in the third round. That's the only reason I say um, I have a little bit of pause. Now, that being said, man, I, <laughs> I'm saying all this, Matt, and I'm still going Ridley. I'm still going wow, Ridley because I'm, I'm going to chase that upside. <laughs> I'm a yeah. psychopath. I love the upside and, and I want to chase it. But but again, I, he does come with some risk. Uh, Dwayne McFarlane points out, um, like we're talking about, is he going to be that alpha? It's five. Trevor Lawrence has played five drives in the preseason. On those five drives, Calvin Ridley ran 100% of the routes, 
31% target share, 39% air yard share. I don't think wow. it's going to look like that wow. all the time in the regular season because, yeah. of course, hey, like this is a real game. Like These guys, let's let's simulate it a little bit, right? Um, yep. Once we get the regular season, I don't know that he's necessarily going to have a 31% target share, but if preseason is any indication, I think the path for Ridley to be an alpha um, is quite clear because, like, yeah, Zay Jones is a – fine player. I think Christian Kirk is somebody I was, you know, higher on last year than most, but he's still a, yep. not a number one, right? I think Ridley right. at his best is a number one. By the way, can we just talk about how how much that actually is a good sign for Trevor Lawrence that he's elevated these guys to actually being relevant players? I saw I saw an account uh tweet out the Jaguars offense and said, um you know, and, and they said, like, look at all these pass catchers that Trevor Lawrence has. And they, and it was Ridley, um, Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, and Evan Ingram. And I'm like, do you realize that three of those guys were are completely irrelevant without Trevor Lawrence? Like, he elevated those guys to the point where they are relevant, where people are like, oh, my God, Trevor Lawrence actually has a good cast of, of pass catchers. It's like, I'm not saying they're bad, but... I'm also not saying they're great. You know what I mean? Trevor right. Lawrence yeah. did the work, boy. Like he absolutely flexed on these guys uh, and, and and made them, elevated their games, made them better players uh, than I think the, the general populace would consider them to be uh, in that offense. So I, I just, again, I'm so, was so impressed with what Trevor Lawrence did last year. Yeah. Uh, by the way, just also look this up. If you if you start one and four, you got a ten percent shot to make the playoffs. So yeah, please oh. if, if you if you listen to one thing we say here, don't just forget about the early part of the season. Don't forget about yeah, that. that's correct. There you go. Uh, all right, so we go on to the fourth round now, Matt. Um, and again, this is where it starts getting pretty spicy. How about DeAndre Hopkins versus Christian Watson, the wide receiver twenty one and twenty two according to aggregate ADP on four for four. Nuke through nine games last year was on pace, on pace now for one hundred eighty one targets, one hundred twenty one receptions, thirteen fifty four through the air, and six touchdowns. We know Watson got off to a really slow start, but that middle portion of his season was really impressive, had those seven touchdowns um, in in terms of closing out the season. And I got 66 targets total, 41 receptions and 611 yards. And again, that doesn't look impressive, but just that middle portion of that of that season where we're like, whoa, this Christian Watson kid has, has figured something out. Uh, and he absolutely looked like a, a huge gazelle just catching footballs out there. Who do you yeah. got? Uh, this one... Technically, like if you're looking at my rankings, I have DeAndre Hopkins in a different tier than mm. Christian Watson, where I have uh, uh, Hopkins at the bottom of tier three, wide receiver 23 overall, and I have Christian Watson in tier four. So technically, I mean, the answer here should be DeAndre Hopkins. Right. However, and I do I think like him. just if you're just if you're just saying like straight up, yeah, I think I'd rather have DeAndre Hopkins, who's probably going to project for a higher target share who's mm -hmm. a bit more proven of a player. And even if Ryan Tannehill's like, you know, not an elite solution to the position, he's certainly a, you know, a guy that we know who he is and we know he can yep. get the ball to a top target in Deandre Hopkins. And I do expect Deandre Hopkins, especially with Traylon Burks, a little banged up to start the year to clearly like dominate targets early. However, I think this one is very team sensitive. Like it's very team build sensitive here where if you take, Let's say, okay, you, you, this is the fourth round, right? And, and in the first three rounds, you've taken two receivers. You've yeah. taken um, – maybe you are maybe you were somewhere on the turn, right? And you took like a Steph Diggs and Garrett Wilson. By the way, what a start. You know, cool. Steph Diggs, Garrett Wilson. You've taken something like 
AJ Brown, I'm on Ross St. Brown, uh, the A Brown boys, you know, you've done that. Like yeah. you, you've yeah, got yeah. something like that going on, or maybe even, maybe even right. You, you're somehow got like, you know, Justin Jefferson, then back half of the round two, you took Chris Olave. I don't really think you need to be messing around with DeAndre Hopkins as your third receiver um, okay. because you've got two bankable guys there. Uh, even even in the fourth round, if like, yeah, I've got Hopkins ranked higher, I think I'm okay with – the fourth round is still just – it's a little early for Christian Watson to me. So maybe I'm still going to – yeah, just sit here and say take Hopkins. I think he just projects better, and I think he's still got enough left in his game to be a quality top target on a team. Yeah. Um, Watson, though, does have – that like all right if he's my third receiver he's he's potentially like i'm all like exposed to the upside and a little bit insulated from the weekly downside that i think will be present with christian watson so i think that would be the scenario where i'd consider watson even though again just from an overall perspective i do have hopkins ranked higher and in a separate tier don't you feel like the vibes around the volume share for Watson are just all off right now? You know, we're talking about Jaden Reed earning out, uh, carving out a, a good role in this offense. Romeo Dobbs has apparently built a nice little chemistry with Jordan Love. I'm not seeing a lot of, oh, Jordan Love is really targeting Christian Watson takes on Twitter right now. And what we saw last year, we talked about in, our, I think, our previous podcast, was the fact that Aaron Rodgers, again, touchdown or checkdown, that 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 vibe's real good right, with yeah. Christian Watson. Is that what Jordan Love wants to do? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. So that's why I, I'm a little bit – uh, I, I see the – I see the upside with Watson. It's certainly tantalizing. You know, you talk about size, speed, combination. Obviously, X receiver, I should be all over this dude. I like the upside. There's no question. But right now, as we sit here today in late August, I just feel like the vibe, like the volume vibes surrounding Christian Watson are just off, man. Um, and he's going to be one of these like splash play dependent type players. And and you're so right in terms of team build, you know, Um if you're chasing the upside, yeah, okay, I, I could see Watson, but I, you got to think week in and week out, Nuke just gives you a better floor. And to be honest with you, because of the volume in, in full point PPR, I even wonder, is Watson's ceiling that much higher than Nuke on a week-to-week basis? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I think that's a fair question. And um yeah, I, I think all your points are, I wouldn't say it's even just the vibes with Christian Watson. It's just with all these other guys emerging, you know, Luke Musgrave is run as a clear starter and is a talented player as their rookie tight end. Um, you know, I, I think it's worth just asking if like, yeah, Christian Watson tops off as like a 21% target share guy instead of a 25 or 26 or something like that. Where like, I think nuke is almost certainly going to be like a 25% target share guy oh, in an offense. Yeah. that's going to run the ball a lot, but the Packers are going to run the ball a lot. So, um, yeah, I get, I mean, look, I wouldn't fault anybody for just being like, I'm going to not take the older guy or whatever, but, uh, yeah, yeah. I think that, yeah, that, that's the concern here with Watson is just that these, I think his ADP suggests like he is going to blow everybody out of the water from a targets perspective. And, um, his targets will be the most valuable on the team. There's no doubt about that. And I think he would right. still be the most targeted player on the team. Cause I think he is right now the best receiver on the roster, but still there, the, that dom- dominant target share is a little bit more questionable than it was. Well, even if it is 21, 22%, you're right. The targets that he's going to get are more valuable because of the, the air yards that are mixed in. Uh, but that being said, the conversion rate on those type of targets is also a lot more difficult uh, than I think some of the layup throws that Nuke is going to get. So, 
you know, again, you're really balancing some of this stuff out. Like, uh, you know, the other thing about Christian Watson too, it's like, and I'll ask you this straight up from an efficiency standpoint, can this guy be a, you know, 65, 70% catch guy, um, you know, given, you know, given the routes that he's running and, and given what the routes that he is good at running has to develop has to develop on those like base NFL routes against man coverage, like slants and digs and, and, and curls and stuff like that. That has to happen for that to be the case. All right. We go on to the fifth round now, Drake London versus Tyler Lockett. Uh, I feel like this is going to cramp your brain here a little bit. Matt Harmon, yeah. you love both these dudes wide receiver 25 and 27 respectively um, on four, four ADP. Very, very close in range. Um, Drake London. <laughs> you know, what's funny. Both of these guys saw exactly 117 targets each last year. Drake London, a little less efficient. Lockett, one of the most efficient players in the NFL, but Drake London, 72 catches for 866 and four touchdowns. Tyler Lockett, 84 catches, 1033 and nine touchdowns in 2022. Drake London versus Tyler Lockett. Uh, I'm trying to see the pretzel unwind in Matt's brain in real time right now. What are we going with here, pal? (laughs) Yeah, I, I actually have both of these guys ranked ahead of consensus. So um, if you are uh, using my rankings, you're probably going to be able to draft both of these guys. Yeah. Um, so just just because uh, I have them ranked so much higher than than where they're going, um, you know, I've got London, like you mentioned that that twenty five twenty seven ADP. I've got those guys at least five spots for both <laughs> both players above where they're going right now. So you can conceivably yeah. get both. Um, however, uh, the guy I do have ranked higher is Tyler Lockett, um, mostly because, um, you know, I, I, I think he just is why well, talent wise, we know he's great. I think he's, he's really good. I have less questions about his overall offensive ecosystem than Drake London's, right? You know, if yeah. Drake London was right. playing in the Seahawks offense with, with Drake or with Geno Smith, I think I'd feel really good about it. We know Derek Klassen's Desmond Ritter profile wasn't ideal. It was only a four no. game sample. And, you know, he mentioned that it, those la- like looked better in the last two games in the first two games. I think that's pretty much to be expected. Similar to what we said about Brock Purdy, like the lot more he plays, right. the more comfortable, the more he sees uh, mm-hmm. that stuff can get better. But yeah, uh, I do think for sure that there's just the overall ecosystem in Seattle is a little bit better. Um, and, and Lockett's a great player. So I have him ranked ahead of Drake London, although uh, ranking like ADP wise, London goes a, a ahead of him. So again, you can conceivably still get both of these dudes and that's perfectly uh, viable. But I, I do think I'll go uh, Tyler Lockett slightly ahead of Drake London. And by the way, the JSN injury helps that even more now, right? You know, cause yeah, JSN that's true. Might- Mm-hmm. might start the season slow. He might not play the first couple of weeks. You know, that's only right. going to help Lockett's case to get off to that hot start we mentioned. Uh, we talked about uh, some of the ADP madness in, in a previous episode in regards to both of these players. Uh, but according to Yahoo, Drake London is uh, 50th overall. Tyler Lockett, 43rd overall. Uh, the highest of the major um, ADPs. ESPN's got both players in the 70s. NFL.com has uh, Drake London, 66, and Tyler Lockett, 73. And CBS is the least bullish on Tyler Lockett. They've got him ranked at 84 overall, and they've got Drake London in uh, at number 70. So Yahoo, uh, surprise, surprise. Uh, Yahoo has uh, both of these players ranked well I mean, well ahead of consensus, uh, probably, you know, about on average 20 spots higher uh, than you would find at some of the other spots. 
So maybe you can't get both of them if you draft on Yahoo. And and I would love for you personally, <laughs> professionally, I would love for you to be drafting yes. on Yahoo. Just, you know, obviously 100%. that would be great for me and uh, and the future of my career. That'd be awesome. So, uh, but yeah, in, in that scenario, you might not get both of these guys. But yeah, I, I'll give the slight <laughs> edge to Lockett here, um, but it is very yeah. slight. All right. There you like go. literally actually uh, they're, 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 they're 18 and 20 in my ranks. So they're very, very close. Uh, I love it. All right. So there you go. Um, so five rounds through, if you've got more, you know, uh, you know, conundrums at the wide receiver position, obviously don't hesitate to hit up myself or Matt Harmon on Twitter. Um, I, I, I always hesitate through Instagram because sometimes I just don't see those DMS, but that's okay. Anyways. Yeah. Don't do that. That's all right. Get in the discord. We have a discord. That's where you can reach me easily. Yeah. Discord. There you go. Uh, by the way, receptionperception.com. You can find all these player profiles. I thought it was interesting. You know, uh, we released uh, a lot of this um, video content based off the podcast on Instagram. Uh, shout out to our, our our stellar social media team, uh, by the way, who has been such a great uh, boon for us. But anyways, um, uh, I've seen a couple of comments here, Matt. Where did you get those stats? And it's like, buddy. It's off of receptionperception.com, okay? So if you hear us talking about, you know, success rates versus man coverage, success rates on slant routes or dig routes or whatever it might be uh, for the quarterbacks and wide receivers, that's where it's all coming from, man. These guys, these boys, Matt Harmon, Derek Klassen, they're charting their asses off, man. So all that, all, all that data is just available on the website, receptionperception.com, if you want to go check it out. That would be very much appreciated. Okay, so there you go. That's the show. Um, man, we are here, Matt. I mean, we just went through five rounds with, with wide receivers, which I thought was a good, fun exercise. But man, draft season is upon us, boy. Yep. Yep, it's it's so close. I mean, this time, I can't believe like this time next week we'll be doing week one prep. Like, Woo! Talking about the games. So let's uh, it's go. Crazy. It's, good, it's a good time to be alive. All right, there it is. Uh, all right, so that's our show. Uh, we appreciate everyone listening. If you could subscribe and rate the podcast uh, wherever you get your favorite shows, it would be very much appreciated. All right, for Matt Harmon, I'm James Coe. We are out of here, and remember, it's never too late to chase your dreams. All right, peace.